Welcome to Grief Part 2. I want to start this with a quote from Winnie the Pooh. If there ever comes a day when we can't be together, keep me in your heart, I'll stay there forever. And that's really the basis of grief work is we're reacting to a loss, we're experiencing that sadness, that numbness, and even physical pain because, as you know, emotional pain does come through in the body, stress comes through in the body, and represents in physical ways. Grief is unique to every person. It's rarely, it rarely progresses through the stages of grief in order. And grief can be brief or it can be very long-lasting. Mourning, mourning is the expression of grief. Grief is felt or experienced, and mourning is conveyed or communicated. Um, When we cry, we're mourning. So grief and loss, the experience of grief is not limited to just death. It's important that you understand you could be grieving for any number of reasons. And it doesn't have to necessarily be that somebody died. It could be that a relationship ended. It could be that somebody cheated on you. It could be the loss of your virginity. It could be losing a professional license, retiring, becoming seriously, severely ill, losing the sense of safety after a traumatic event can cause us to go into a state of grief, losing a vehicle. A family member might get sick or injured and cause us to grieve. You might become incarcerated and you're grieving the loss of your freedom. The birth of your first child can cause grief. You're grieving the loss of your body prior to childbirth. You're grieving the loss of your freedom prior to childbirth. Maybe you're scared of becoming a mom. There could be a lot of things going on, but it can cause a sense of grief. Um, and that's, that's where postpartum depression can take hold too if you stay in that grief too long. Maybe you had a miscarriage or even an abortion that can bring on a very strong, long-lasting sense of grief. Maybe you're infertile and you're grieving the fact that you will not have the experience of being a mother that you always wished for. Maybe you lost a pet. Maybe you're getting older. Maybe you lost your credit. Your credit score plummeted for some reason. Maybe you've lost your faith in God. Maybe you've lost hope in humanity. Maybe your reputation has been destroyed by your own actions or by somebody else attacking you and destroying your reputation. Maybe... Maybe your dream was to be a, a big star in football and join the NFL, but you, you had a knee injury and now you never get to do that. So you might be grieving that career you never had. And oftentimes <clears throat> people who grow up without contact from their father or their mother maybe, um, years later when they find out that that parent has passed, 
They will grieve the relationship they wish they had had. And that can happen with um, parents or family members or even a spouse who passes away and we had a bad relationship with that person. We'll grieve the good relationship that we wished we had been able to have with that person. So there are a lot of reasons that grief can pop up. It's not just death. It can be a lot of things. And um, everybody's dealing with some sort of a challenge um, at all times, right? And, And some of us deal with it better. We might be a little more resilient or we're better at hiding how we really feel. But everybody's dealing with something and anybody could be in a state of grief and you might not even know it. You might be in a state of grief and not realize it. So think about three events from your past and think about the different reasons that you could be in a state of grief that I just listed, okay? And pick three of those things or think of something else and just describe the event to yourself. What happened? When did it happen? How old were you? And how did you react to whatever it was that you lost? How, what was your reaction to that? So you want to think about that because grief reactions can be different between different people. And some of the most common emotions experienced during grief might sound familiar to you. Um, aggression, anger, apathy. You know, you just, you just don't care anymore. Guilt is a big one, helplessness, loneliness, feeling numb, feeling sad, pitying yourself, feeling a sense of shock, being confused, um, denying it, being in a total state of disbelief. You might dissociate from the situation. You might hallucinate or see or hear the deceased person. Or maybe you really are getting a message from beyond, depending on how you look at it. You might have obsessive thoughts about the person you lost. You might blame yourself. You might lose track of time, become absent-minded, have crying jags where you're just crying uncontrollably, mood swings, being very passive. You might be very restless. You might find yourself screaming just screaming, just trying to release some of that energy and just screaming and screaming. You might find yourself going, (sighs) sighing a lot. You might treasure objects that belong to the person you lost. You might have a hard time sleeping. Find yourself withdrawing and isolating. You might feel aches and pains in your body, shortness of breath, dry mouth. You might feel a deep sense of fatigue and exhaustion. Um, Sometimes people say they kind of feel like nothing is real anymore, like they live in the Truman Show or something. Um, You might lose your appetite. You might have a complete lack of energy. You may feel nauseous. You might be very hypersensitive to light, colors, noises, smells. 
You might have a tightness in your chest or throat. You might be pissed off at God. You might be questioning the meaning of life. You might be seeking some sort of a meaning in the loss of this person or situation or thing that you're grieving for. And it it may reinforce your own beliefs, whether they're negative or positive, about loss and death. So think about those things. Think about how people handled grief or loss in your family. When you were a kid, did you guys go to a funeral? Did you lose a grandparent or an aunt? Did somebody in your family pass away? And how do you remember your family handling it? I know in my own experience when um, my father, who raised me for a brief period, when he passed away, I was 13 And I had never experienced a death or a funeral or any of that. So I had no idea what grief was or how to deal with any of that kind of stuff. So he passed away. And uh, I was in a gothic phase in my life. I was wearing all black. And um, that's a whole other story. But he used to always say, why don't you wear colors? Why don't you wear white? And I say, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, for his funeral, I chose to wear a white dress because I thought it would make him happy. And I went to the funeral, and everybody was crying and hugging each other. And I remember I didn't cry, and I felt guilty because I wasn't crying because I thought I'm supposed to be crying right now. And anybody listening to this right now may have experienced something similar where you're wondering, why am I not crying? This is devastating. Um... That's that's when you numb out. Your body goes into shock. You numb out, and you're not quite sure what to do with yourself. And that's okay, too. It doesn't mean you didn't care. Um, and I remember after the funeral, everybody came to our house. So there were all these family members at the house, and there was food everywhere. Everybody brought casseroles and all this different food. And the adults all began drinking massive amounts of alcohol. And everybody was drinking and eating and laughing and playing music. And I was sitting off in the corner watching them, and I was getting more and more angry by the second, thinking, how can you celebrate when he just died? Like, how? I didn't understand. I didn't understand. And whether you're a child or an adult, the first time you lose somebody, that that feeling of being lost and not understanding and... You see people talking about happy memories and laughing, and you think, how can you laugh? How can you not be devastated? He's dead. He's gone. Um, Grief is really hard. So think about when you were a child, did you experience a death in the family, and what was it like for you? Um, And what, what feelings did you think about that you had at the time that made you uncomfortable? You know how I questioned myself, thinking, why am I not crying? Did you have a sensation like that? Some people even start laughing hysterically. It's kind of a self-defense mechanism to the pain. And it doesn't mean they find it amusing. It just, it's their body going into survival mode and self-defense mode. So that can happen too, hysterical laughter that is not at all 
due to amusement. So when you think about the emotions that you had as a child or how your family responded, how does that make you feel now in terms of grief? And if you've recently lost somebody, how much of what you learned as a child is happening with you now? Do you have the support of other people? Are you feeling lost, alone, and numb? Are you feeling like you're a bad person because you haven't cried yet? What's going through your head right now in your current situation of grieving? How are you coping with it? What are your thoughts and your feelings surrounding the loss that you are grieving for? This helps you determine what stage you're in. And again, they don't go in consequential order. Your stages of grief will jump all around and be different from the next person. And that's perfectly natural and okay. So no judgment on yourself, okay? Are there any complicated or unresolved issues that you can think of? Was the last conversation that you had with the person you lost, was it an argument? Were you maybe not on speaking terms? Were you able to say your goodbyes? Were you able to let the person know how much you loved them? Was it a positive or a negative experience for you, your last interaction with the person who has passed? And what kind of unresolved issues might you be facing right now, if any? So Vicki Harrison says, grief is like the ocean. It comes on waves, ebbing and flowing. Sometimes the water is calm, and sometimes it is overwhelming. And all we can do is learn to swim. That's a powerful quote, and very true of grief. And it's like I said in, in the part one, that it really never goes away, but we learn how to manage and we learn how to carry on, even though that pain will always be there. So the number one, uh, uh, they missed one here on this worksheet. So there's actually six, six stages of grief. Okay, they have five, but number one is shock. Number two is denial. Number three is anger. Number four is bargaining. Number five is depression. And number six is acceptance. And we should add a number seven, which means moving forward and managing the grief. Um, and you will not go in that order. Nobody ever does. Sometimes we are initially shocked. And then we bounce around from sadness, acceptance, anger, bargaining. If only I had done this. If I only I had done that, they would have been here. I would trade them places in a heartbeat, you know, you have all those different thoughts, but they do not go in consequential order like that. They do jump around and that's okay. Let's take a really quick break.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so if you are in the stage of denial, you may be thinking thoughts like, this can't really be happening. You might be feeling that dissociated feeling like this is not real. I'm watching a movie of my life right now and it's weird. You might feel confused and shocked, total sense of disbelief, kind of like, oh my God, no. Um, you might be disputing, you might be saying, no, 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 they're not gone. They'll, they're going to show up any minute now. I remember feeling that way. I remember, uh, thinking my dad would walk through the door any day now. And the, the hardest part for me was that he died on April fool's day. Honestly, April fool's day. I just kept thinking he was going to walk in any minute and scream April fool's. I'm not really gone. And every year for April Fool's Day, if somebody played an April Fool's joke on me, I would hit them or scream at them and get very upset. took me a long time to get over that and process that. So the stage of anger stuck with me every April Fool's Day for a long time. So the stage of anger when you're grieving, you might be thinking, how could you leave me? This shouldn't be happening to me. I'm outraged, I'm enraged, I'm upset, I'm horrified, I'm hostile, I'm resentful, I'm spiteful, I'm irritated, I'm freaking livid. Why do the good people always die? Why did, why did he or she leave me? Why? Why, why, why? You're mad. You're mad at God. Like, how could you do this? You're, you're just furious. The stage of bargaining is, I'll do anything. Please bring them back. Please, I, I, would, I would trade places with them in a heartbeat. You're begging God. You're begging the world. You're begging the person who left to just please come back. And it's so painful. And the stage of depression is when you start to feel like everything is just hopeless. You're, you're mourning. You're heartbroken. You're, you're in total despair. Completely grief-stricken just shaken to your core. And when you're in the stage of acceptance, you say, this happened. This is my reality. I have to accept it and carry on with my life because he or she would want me to continue on and not give up. So you start to feel a sense of calm and quiet. Um, you're accepting it. You're at peace with it. You can breathe a little easier. Just kind of serene. So what stage do you feel you're in right now? And if you're having a hard time, think of ways that you could get yourself into the stage of accepting what has happened. You have to accept it. 
and really experience and process your grief and your pain. And then you have to adjust to the world without this person in it. You have to find a way to maintain a connection to the person who passed and still move forward with your life. So what can you do to accept it? Usually people begin to have acceptance set in after the celebration of life or funeral or scattering of the ashes takes place. Once that final goodbye is said, it's easier to get into that stage of acceptance. And maintaining a connection while moving forward, you know, that involves what I, what I talked about in um, grief part one, is we create our own memorial to the person we lost. And a lot of people will take the ashes and make a beautiful necklace. They'll have a, a hand-blown glass pendant with some of the ashes in it. Other people don't like to separate the ashes. They want to keep them all together and scatter them somewhere. So they might uh, take the person's jewelry and everybody will have one piece of their jewelry that they wear forever or, you know, something to that effect to keep that connection Grief that occurs prior to the death of a loved one. So that's a that's an uncommon grief reaction. You're already grieving for somebody who is alive but terminally ill, and you're already in the grieving process. You could have um, abbreviated grieving, where it's brief or short, and it passes more quickly than you expected. You know, like uh, somebody who was divorced and it broke him. It just broke him. But he very quickly bounced back and started learning that he loved being single. Um, he's very resilient. So somebody who's very resilient, their, their, their grief will be more brief. Delayed grief is when you suppress the grief. And you're ignoring it so you can stay strong for the kids or stay strong to get the services taken care of or stay strong for the employees at work, whatever the case may be. And you hold it all together and you take care of everything. And when there's nothing left to keep you busy, that's when it hits like a ton of bricks. And that's when you're going to need a lot of support. Inhibited grief is internalized grief you've internalized it and you've digested it with no signs of mourning and this could be uh, seen in like somebody who doesn't acknowledge the devastation they feel maybe after a miscarriage or an abortion they act like it didn't happen they don't talk about it but then they start drinking very heavily and smoking weed every single day so the grief comes out in a different way as a self-punishment and escape through addiction. So you're punishing yourself by destroying your body and brain and you're escaping that pain that you're pushing down by getting blackout drunk and high. Disenfranchised grief is minimized or taken less seriously by other people. 
This leads you to feel invalidated and alone in the whole process. Think about somebody who's grieving for their dog because, come on, man, we love our dogs like they're our children. And somebody tells you, it's just a dog. Go get another puppy. Jeez. Throat punch, right? Throat punch, crotch kick. You just, <laughs> that is so cruel. I can't stand it when people do that. But it happens. Um, and then we have traumatic grief. This is super intense grief in response to a significant loss that is violent, sudden, or accidental that leads to increased stress and a strong grief reaction. So somebody might experience post-traumatic stress disorder and grief after seeing their child get hit by a car and killed. So it's a double whammy. It's a traumatic grief experience. And you can get this by proxy as well. Uh, some people have even experienced this by proxy just watching a movie where somebody was murdered and they were emotionally invested in that character. Um, or if you're in the military and one of your buddies in your platoon gets blown up in front of you, you would have traumatic grief mixed with uh, PTSD. Prolonged grief is grief that leads to deep depression that impairs work, school, and relationships in your life. So somebody who continues to grieve for their deceased spouse for years and years and years, they feel depressed most of the time and their performance at work is not very good and they're not being a good friend to their friends and they've just sunken into this whole. So just to review, there's no right or wrong way to grieve. Grief comes in various stages. It does not process through the linear stages of grief as I read them earlier. Another myth is time heals all wounds. That's not true. Grief is not bound by time. It can change, but it does not go away. You adjust and you carry on, and the grief just becomes part of you. Um, people might tell you everything happens for a reason. This could be your personal belief too, but it's not everybody's truth. So saying this to somebody who is grieving, especially when the loss is a senseless loss, like a school shooting, it will undermine their grief. And it's rude and disrespectful. So please don't say, hey, everything happens for a reason. Please don't say that to somebody who's grieving or to yourself. Um, people might tell you, don't, don't cry. You need to be strong for whoever. Bullshit. Cry. It takes strength to cry. It takes a lot of strength to cry. So the experience of grief is highly unique to each individual who is in the state of grieving. And responses to grief are very uh, multifaceted. Your grief might look completely different from someone else's. But again, let me emphasize, you're not grieving wrong, okay? There's, there's, I can't say there's no wrong way to grieve because there could be some ways that are just not, not good. <laughs> but uh, in, in, in a sense of, expressing your grief and experiencing your grief 
you're not doing it wrong. If you're doing it differently than somebody else, it doesn't mean that you're wrong. If you haven't cried yet, it doesn't mean that you're wrong. If you're angry for two weeks, it doesn't mean that you're wrong. You're just stuck in a stage of grief that is somehow helping you to cope with it, okay? Alfred Lord Tennyson says, Hope smiles from the threshold of the year to come, whispering, it will be happier. That's a hopeful quote, right? Okay, I'm going to end this episode on the importance of self-care when you are in a state of grief, okay? So I'm going to give you a really a few questions from a quick assessment, okay? And uh, you can say always, sometimes, or never in your head when I read the question. I get some sort of exercise for at least 30 minutes five days a week by walking or jogging or cleaning the house or whatever, but I, I get some movement. I get a little activity, a little bit of exercise for at least 30 minutes a day. I avoid fast food. Always, sometimes, or never. I drink enough water. I keep myself hydrated throughout the day. Always, sometimes, never. I avoid food and beverages with lots and lots of sugar. Always, sometimes, or never. I'm not chain-smoking cigarettes all day long. I don't smoke at all, always, sometimes, never. Um, Avoiding alcohol, always, sometimes, never. Staying away from drugs or other substances, always, sometimes, never. Eating healthy food, always, sometimes, never. Taking medication as prescribed, no more, no less, always, sometimes, never. Going in to the doctor to get a checkup, always, sometimes, never. Getting enough sleep at night. Talking about things that bother you. Reaching out to your support system, always, sometimes, never. Treating other people with respect. Knowing what your values and boundaries are. Respectfully expressing wants and needs in close relationships. Spend less than an hour a day watching television. (laughs) That's a tough one, huh? Take on different tasks and hobbies that are challenging for you to help you grow and learn. Always, sometimes, never. Open to trying new things. Traveling, learning about different cultures, different places. Using critical thinking skills when you have a problem to solve. Believing in something greater than yourself. Journaling. Journaling is so therapeutic. Do you do it? Always, sometimes, or never. Believing that you have a purpose in this world. 
So that's just a few of the questions for that grieving self-care assessment. And the list is quite extensive. And the scores are here that you can score yourself. And this worksheet is, it's a workbook actually, and it is shareable. And it comes from Cassie Jewell. And it's from the Mind Remake Project a therapy and mental health resource site. So I have downloaded the workbook and it does have the link in the workbook to go to the site to do more comprehensive grief work. If you are interested in getting a hold of this workbook and you would like me to send it to you, I can. Um, you know how to reach me, Elizabeth LMFT at outlook.com or elizabethlmft.org. Thank you for tuning in, and if you are grieving, be kind to yourself. Love yourself. Take care of your self-care. Reach out for support. And know that while the grief will never go away, you will learn to deal with it better in the future. Love and light to you.